This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Will you just turn to your neighbor and say, I love that smile on your face. Why are you smiling like that? It's normally this time of the year when a lot of people are away, but it's so great that you're all here and that you brace the cold front and the, the chilliness of the morning. And um, just turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm glad you overcame the spirit of duvet this morning. To be here, okay? There are, are some of you that look very cold, but um, it's great to have church and to have some friends visiting Ines and Sue, I saw some of them, some people from other countries, people from there, from Harmersbury's area, there's lots of friends visiting us, so I'm going to talk about something um, that's a big challenge to all of us, um, and it's, it's almost, you know, what, what we do as, as humans, and so I spoke about it two weeks ago a little bit, but um, in two weeks' time, I'm taking a mission trip, Pernat and some of those guys, to Indonesia. And so preparing for the past couple of months for that, there's this group of, of people in this team. And as we were going, a lot of the plans changed over time. So we didn't know, really know the itinerary, and we don't know really what's happening. And it's a new area. We've never been there. Uh, we're connecting with Tani Suzette Hatem and one of the islands. So will fly like out to Jakarta and then out to one of the remote islands on on the east side of, Jak- of Indonesia. And so going through this process of talking to this to the team, and then basically every week the plans changed. Okay, now we're going there, or now we're splitting up. And then it's so amazing to see how people react or respond to not being in control. You know, it's sort of almost like some, some introverts, they like, they just withdraw. Some of the extroverts just start talking. And some people, you know, there's a, there's a, it's a group of men. So most of them were just worried about the food. Um, you know, are we going to eat? And once we said that, 80% of the team was actually fine. But the other 20%, it's, it's amazing when you, when you sort of want to be in control, but you can't be in control. And, uh, and so... Out of that comes a place where we all, in a sense, we a bit control freaks. We we wanna we wanna know the outcomes of something because of the security, because of the stuff, and and so we we all challenged by that. There's this little stuff that we do it like this, and if I do it like this, then I'm happy. And so if the box is a bit like shaken or there is no box, then suddenly we feel like then we go back to the default of what we used to, okay? Any control freaks in the house a little bit? Get perfectionist, you know, you have your, when you go on a holiday, you have your whole itinerary worked out, you know? It's like, what are we gonna do day one, day two, day three? I don't wanna be bored, I wanna connect with all those people. And so so it's amazing how we are all different, you know? Because some people holiday, they just stay at home and wanna read a book and be under the duvet. Other people wanna do stuff and connect with people and, so we all, amazingly, we, we, we differently made by God. But sometimes we use the personality or, I don't know if you've done all these personality tests, the disc tests and the tall trees and the, the short trees and the long trees and the wide trees and the deep whatever, you know, we've all done these stuff, you know. And then, then we, we sometimes want to hide behind that 
type of stuff because we want to be in control. Or we say like, oh, no, no, I, I'm not like that, so I'm never going to do that. And so we're creatures of comfort. But we must also know that one of our challenges is, is God's demand on us for a life of obedience. Um, and if you're going to live a life of obedience, it's going to mean that you and I are not going to be in control. And you have to make a peace with that. You have to let go of, I want to be in charge. Because at the essence of lordship means that he is master, owner, he's the one who is in charge. And that means that sometimes he's going to do stuff that we, we don't really know. And we, we're not in charge of that stuff, you know. And so we all, even when it comes to spiritual stuff, then we have our doctrines and we hang on to that thing. And we say like, yeah, 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 if it's like that, then I'm, I want to be like that or whatever. Um, but we have to be open that if God decides to send his son to Nazareth, um, to Galilee, um, you know, in a way that, that we would not have seen, then, hey, we need to be humble about that. You know, so what if God decides to visit Stellenbosch by blessing a church that we don't think would be the first option? Hey, let's, God bless the Baptists, you know? And then suddenly... God starts to move there. What, what will happen in our life, you know? And so I want us to read in Psalm 51 where, where David, after he sinned with Bathsheba and he came to God, and we're talking about brokenness or perfection. You know, what is God looking for? What is, what is, what is God attracted to in our lives? And we need to know that from the word go, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that happens when you've sinned is you want to hide. You, you want to hide stuff. And, and there's sometimes a lot of stuff where we become so good at pretending that we live in this lifestyle or this culture with a lot of masks, a lot of fake stuff, a lot of things. And, and the Lord is not interested in us hiding stuff because he knows everything. Would you, would you agree? Okay, so there's nothing we can hide from him. And yet when we come to him, we think like, I can hide stuff from the Lord and he doesn't really know what's going on. Or he doesn't know when I've got a bad hair day, but, but he does. And so <clears throat> hiding stuff from God obviously does, doesn't work. It just makes us live in a place of darkness or a place of comfort sometimes. And so we, we all have this where we come to Christians and we say, hey, how was your day? And and then everybody says, like, no, blessed brother, amazing brother, good, amazing. You know? And then you think, like, no, 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 you know, your house burned down this week. How can it be nice, you know? <laughs> no, no, God is good all the time, all the time. The Lord is good, okay? Yeah? And then the Lord is good, amen? <laughs> but, um, but so David was a man after God's own heart, and he understood certain things. Now, imagine being a murderer and doing a lot of stuff wrong and then, you know, because we, we would easily box somebody like that and say, oh, you know, that guy, obviously, that guy sitting in prison because he killed somebody else. How would he understand God's forgiveness? Yeah. Um, because in essence, our problem is we think that we are actually good as people. And I think I'm good because I think I'm better maybe than somebody else. I'm better than the guy sitting in prison who killed 10 people or that guy who, you know, just shot somebody in a transito, you know, stuff and that person you know or those are really bad person but i'm actually i'm actually a bit better than them and that's the modern day gospel is a gospel of motivational stuff that tells people they're actually in essence good 
But the real gospel say to everyone that in essence, you're not good. Only God is good. And if we start there, then wow, then we can have a real relationship with God. But in essence, if we think that I am a good person and I bring my goodness to God and I want to add something to him or I want to show him how good I am, then I'm going to be in trouble because then I have a misunderstanding of real grace and real intimacy with the Lord because then I'm always going to sort of like pretend. And so when they asked Jesus, oh, who's good? He said, nobody's good except my father. And so David has this sense of like, wow, I've really messed up. And then he comes to God and he writes Psalm 51. So let's jump into verse 11. He says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. So he, he comes to God and he says, Lord, sure, there's a couple of stuff that are very important to me. The most important one is your presence. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, I've, I've realized what is valuable. And there's, there's one thing I don't want to lose because I've really messed up. I really should actually just like be rejected by you. You should judge me because I'm a sinner. Whether it's a small sin or a big sin, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's sin. And sin separates us from God because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Amen? Okay? So here it comes. And he says like, Lord, I've, I've got one thing. I don't want you to take away, take away your presence from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation. That place, Lord, because I, I need a lot of restoration because I've really messed up and I feel condemned. I feel, I, I feel I need to run away from you. I feel like I've got nothing good to put on the table. Now imagine this guy killing somebody and really he's the king, he's in that position and you're really messed up. But he says, uphold me by your generous spirit. God, you're a generous God. And he says, but, but not just for that, because a lot of people stop there. They say, well, Lord, give me your forgiveness. Set me free. I, I want your presence, Lord. It's just you and me. But he says, Lord, I want you to actually, when there's real restoration, I want you to start to use what, is, what has happened here in my life for the following. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. He says, Lord, not just do I want your forgiveness, but I want actually to, to that you bring me to such a place that what has happened here, that I'll be, teach, be able to teach others. And there will be a song of praise that comes from my lips. And then he comes and he says, for you do, because he has got this revelation of something. He says, you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then, then they shall offer bull, bulls on your altar. There's this beautiful sort of almost progression of what he says, Lord, first, I want you to restore this intimacy, the joy of my salvation. But the purpose for that is not just because maybe in the, in, in previously that was all I was, it was about. It's just, Lord, that I can have this great relationship with you and I can have this freedom of your presence. But he says, Lord, I want you to restore so that I can teach others 
and so that the city can be restored. So that, that not just in my life, but God, that you will use what has happened here for everyone to know that there's a God who can be praised. That there will be sacrifices of praise. There will be sacrifices of righteousness, he says. But in the middle, sort of he comes and he says, Lord, I, I've realized through all of this that it's not about what I bring to you and all the Old Testament offerings and all the sacrifices. He says, what you desire is a broken and a contrite heart. This you will not despise. And so one of the things in our culture, as we get busy and we're so busy with a lot of stuff and we, if I would go start here from the left and just go through everyone and I say like, hey, what's, What's happening in your life? And everyone would say, I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. Um, but here it says, it's not about just bringing God a lot of sacrifices. He's not just bringing a lot of stuff to the table. He says, what God really wants is a, is a, a brokenness, a contriteness, a yieldedness to him. And this is something David understood. And that's why, you know, one of the things the Lord said about David, he says, that's a man after my own heart. This is a man that served my generation, his generation. This is a man that's really a worshiper. Because it wasn't about all the sacrifices in that time and all doing everything right. It was simply about bringing his brokenness to God. And so, so a lot of people and the, the culture is going into fake news and fake media and, and, and you know, fake book and Instagram, fake Instagram, you know, all the... It's, it's just so amazing how everyone is trying to show other people that there's a life they're living, but it's actually not real. It's fake. And this is exactly what David is talking about in his time. Because he's realizing like, hey, I am the king. I can hide everything. I can just put it under the carpet. I can just squash it. I can just pretend. Let's go on. But he, he puts ashes on his head. He weeps for days. Then the Lord says, hey, I am going to judge you because there's consequences to your sin in a certain way. And when the Lord does that, David just stands up and he says, okay, cool. And then he goes on with life. Because he understood something. It's, it's not about the outward. It's not about the stuff that we bring to him. It's about that issue in your heart where you can be real with God. And you know, a lot of people are running away from this. And our whole society in the West today is so... It, it's so actually messed up, yeah, because it's telling us to do stuff on the outside. It's telling us by what you wear and where you go and what you've achieved, that's who you are. But scripture says, no, it's about that position of righteousness before God. And so, so this is a beautiful scripture because here in verse 19, I want to read it again. It says, then you shall be pleased. What is God pleased with? He says, with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and a whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. It says, Lord, it's, it's not in the outward. It's not in how I try to fake everything and show people on the outward how good I am. He says, simply it's when you bring a sacrifice of righteousness. And so what is that brokenness? It says, uh, brokenness is to realize who you really are in truth before God. It's when you're faced with your humanity, but you can bring, be real, and in repentance, bring yourself to God, and then take up 
the righteousness of Jesus. Isn't, isn't that amazing? It says Ephesians talks about it. A lot of scripture talks about it. Our position in Christ. What is righteousness? Righteousness means to stand in a right relationship before God. And that is not achievable by your own effort. That is not by you or me trying to be good. It's like this amazing position that we are before God. I remember there was this one moment in, in Ireland when, when Angus and I, we were up, up there. And, this, and so what in Ireland there's the, the whole issue of the Protestants versus, versus the Catholic Church. And if you are in a Catholic little town, then the Protestants won't even drive through that town. They'll drive around the town, you know, because there's been separation and a lot of fighting. The whole war, the Irish war, everything was, was about that. And so we were in this place, Macrofelt. There's, I think there's only 1,200 people that actually lives in this place, but 1,600 people came to this shed where we had a big outreach and a worship event. And um, and so in the middle of the sermon, when, when Angus was talking and he was talking about brokenness and talking about hey, being real, not, you know, why why would people do stuff to each other and the hatred? And at, at a stage he said, so what do you what do you want God to to do for you? And there was a I just love that moment. But there was a lady from it was a prostitute lady that that came to this event, and she was standing right at the back. Now, all these people, are, it's quite, it was quite a long shed right to the back. She was right at the back, and she jumped up, and she said, I want peace. We want peace. She just shouted it like that, you know, but, but completely out of, out of the norm, you know, because even, you know, if somebody would jump up here now and say, like, just if I ask a question, we normally reserved and nobody will answer. We will think the answer. You'll think like, you know, but this, you know, ladies, you know, especially th this lady with her background, she just thought like the preacher asked the question. So let me answer, you know, <laughs> so she, she shouts from the back, you know, and then she jumps up and she says, we must stop the fighting. We must, you know, and she obviously realized like later on, but everybody goes like, oh, wrong place, wrong position, wrong, you know, don't. You know, this is this is a church meeting. You know, um, but it, but it's amazing how people, especially the lady, you know, came to Jesus and washed Jesus' feet. Um, how she just interrupted the status quo because she was just open in her heart, and I, and I so love that moment because that moment broke open the whole service. It actually the sermon stopped and this. One guy just jumped up, came to the front, one big man, and he came and he just knelt in the front and he just started to weep uncontrollably. And then one after the other, the, these men and women just came out because you could see like bitterness and anger and a lot of stuff surfaced and a lot of, and the Lord could heal people. And three hours later, we, we went out of the place. But it took one lady to actually just break the, we, we you know, let's, let's, pretend you know let's just pretend everything is right but you can almost see there's not just one elephant in this room there's like 500 elephants you know and they're, they're all over the place you know and you can't even stop start eating the elephant because there's just too many of them in the room you know so you're like and there's one lady from the street you know she has no pretense she just jumps up and say i want peace no no we want peace she shouted you know <laughs> 
But but isn't isn't that amazing that God would sometimes use something in our lives or in our hearts or in a person like that to just break open those damn walls, you know? Those reservoirs. Suddenly it's just like, you know, it just breaks forth. And now Paul talks about this. Listen to this scripture where Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness, not in your goodness. I'm, I'm not talking, weakness is not equal to sin here, because a lot of people use their sin as an excuse. But it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Whoa. And then he says, therefore most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This verse, these verses go completely contrary to what the world will tell you. Be strong. Don't show your weakness. <laughs> Be perfect. And sometimes we do that in church, just very subtly. Because, you know, we'll come sometimes into a church like this and say, ooh, Hona, you know, everything is so organized and everything is so like, ooh, except the E of the Jesus today. I don't know why the E is standing a bit like that. Oh, it's because there's a cable. That's why the E is not right. Let me just fix that. Ooh, can, can you see that? Now it's going to bother some people for the rest of the service that the E is not it's not in line, you know? Wow, Shofar is not perfect. But Jesus is, I mean. <laughs> okay, but so. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing how we come in and then, then you know, and I'm all for excellence and I'm all for that, you know. But the crazy thing is then we, we want to put up a show. And for a lot of people, then church becomes a show because there's no place where we can be real. And that's, that's where we need to be challenged. And that's why Paul says here, yeah, in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. So I want you to think of, of three things where you're weak at, that you're not good at. Maybe just natural things. And I want you to tell somebody next to you one, one of them. Maybe you're not a good driver. Okay, let, let's just stick with the natural. Because this is normally where people want to take each other out, you know. This is where some people want to say like, oh, yeah. Just, just tell somebody next to you without enjoying it too much, okay, that you now know a weakness of somebody else. Well, three th uh, there are three things, but at least just tell them one thing that you're not good at. Maybe you're not good at remembering names, or maybe you're not like, the husbands and the wives here are not talking to each other because they don't actually need to remind each other all the time. You know, they, they exactly know what the other person's weakness is, you know. So some are just staring and thinking like, okay, you don't need to tell me. You told me yesterday. You know, I know. Yes, I know. Okay. Husbands and wives, you can have time later in the foyer, stand in the sun, let the sun shine on you, and then they remind each other. Okay. <laughs> but we, we all have these weaknesses, and we are so afraid to show it to others, and we're so afraid to show it to God, but there's nothing we can hide from the Lord. <laughs> and, and once you and I become real in that, 
then we can have real righteousness. Because then you realize like righteousness is, is something, it's like given to you by God. It's the position, it's what Jesus has done. It's not a self-righteousness. And one of the ugliest things, and especially something here in our town, is self-righteousness. It's called pride. I, I was talking to a guy yesterday, again, a family that moved down from somewhere in the north, down here to the promised land, you know. Because when you talk to people up there, they always want to move down here, you know. And the crazy thing is, the story is, every time the story is exactly the same. You know how difficult it is to connect with people in Stellenbosch. Everybody's prickish. Everybody's just on their own mission. Everybody's just like, they have their little group. And it's just so difficult to make friends in Stellenbosch. That's what every story, one after the other, of families that move into Stellenbosch say. And so this pride and this self-righteousness is such an ugly thing. Because we want to be not dependent on God or interdependent on other people. Because we're used to that. And so we're used to fighting and survival of the fittest. So, so, so it's so difficult for us to be interdependent on other people or especially be dependent on God or realize our dependency on God. And that's something that David just so understood on how he then talks about this praises of righteousness, this, this place where it's really we can give God glory because we're just broken people that serve this amazing God. Listen to some of these other things, you know. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What does that mean? Psalm 23 says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Meaning there's lots of different paths you can choose. There can be paths of self-righteousness, of I'm a self-made man, and look what I've done. But you know, everything you have is a gift from God. Everything good in your life is a gift from God. It's not because you're good or because you're doing so great or because you're this great worker or because the moment when we think like this stuff I have, I'm the owner, then we're in trouble. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Matthew 5 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. The definition for righteousness is the character or quality of being in a right standing with God and being just. I like the second part, to become in Christ all that God requires a man or a woman to be, all that he could never be himself. Phil, it's the truth about what God says about who you are when you stand before him through Jesus. And so to be in Christ is this amazing place where you can be real and sometimes just say to the Lord, Lord, I don't like I don't want to read my Bible today. Lord, I don't want to feel even Christian. You know, I have to say that every time when I go onto the golf course, I have to say like, oh Lord, I just want to switch off my Christianity right here. You know, can I leave my Christianity there in the clubhouse so that I can just like, you know, because, you know, when that first ball goes like, and then the second ball goes like, and you just like try to overcompensate for that one, then you go by that one, and then like you're like, you know, and then I get invited by 
some of the pastors in the in the town. And so it's so humbling just play golf with them. You know, but I must tell you this one. I actually enjoyed it so much, you know. So we went to play the other day uh, at the Zolza. Now, I don't really play golf at the Zolza because there's too many people that whose windows I can hit out. But in any case, so on the first hole. Now, so it was amazing. You go up and then people say like, well, how do you play golf? No, no, I, I don't play that well, you know. How much do you play over nine holes? No, no, like 39, 40. And you're kind of, oh, okay, you know, and how much do you play? No, 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 I just play. And you think like, yeah, corner here, we're going to be. And so on the first hole, I hit a birdie with all these pastors, you know. And I was feeling so good about myself. You know? And they said, well, yeah, yeah, you just say you play like that. But, you know, but I hit the second shot onto the green. I putted this six meters thing in and I felt like, yeah, bring it on, shofar. Here we go, you know. This is like. So after the, first, after the second hole, I had to repent of my competitive spirit because then it was shown that I'm not that good golfer, you know, after I uh, hit the second ball into the water. But, so, but, it, but it's so amazing when you go, you know, now especially like, oh, we're playing with the pastors, you know, so let's like all pretend that, you know, and then you, I try to get every golf etiquette and I forget half of them, you know. So, but it's, it's amazing when you, when you can just say, hey, I'm, I'm not good at this or I'm just... And actually, just start to enjoy life. <laughs> start to, because you're so much more relaxed if you're not living in that space of fear and perfection, especially when it comes to God. Because otherwise, you're always going to like, well, well, am I good enough for him? And then you have all the ticks right or all the wrong ticks. And I've got five ticks right and four ticks wrong. So that means like, I'm one up, you know, the Lord is accepting me. But the Lord does not accept you if it's not in Christ, in Christ's righteousness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Timothy 2 says, then what does this righteousness do? It says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So again, it's that connection with the purity of your heart to God. And we all like, because, because we're living in a space or a society where we're so into pretense and doing stuff on the outside, then we close our heart. And sometimes because of hurt, sometimes because of issues, sometimes because of what people have said over us, and then we try to form our identity around what people say, or what we've achieved, or what degree we've studied. And do you know what? Those things mean absolutely nothing. It does not define your righteousness when you stand before God. It's only what Christ has done. <laughs> and so it's, it's so beautiful how God brings, brings to us his life. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 10. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may you supply seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So what is the fruit of righteousness? It's integrity, the teachability of your heart. We got that stuff on just go to the next slide. It's the integrity, the teachability of your heart, the humility, the responsibility of your call or the faith in your life, being accountable to people around you. Lo and I spoke about it yesterday, but how many people are really 
accountable about their finances. We, we want to be accountable about the moral stuff in our lives. And then sometimes we, are, yeah, yeah, we, we have like selective accountability. But because we're afraid of what other people are going to think, we are afraid of real accountability. So I want to fix my life first. I want to have everything in place. Then I'll be able to share with other people. But then you're never going to share. Because then there's never an openness to actually live in that space where, hey, people are can be at ease with your weaknesses, the stuff you don't get right, you know? Because sometimes we want to we wanna fix stuff and we want to we wanna be that person and then you just realize, like, no, I can't. And it's actually okay to not be okay. It's okay not to be in charge. It's okay to be able to realize, like, hey, some other people, are, there's always going to be people that will do stuff better than you. And just acknowledge that. Amen? <laughs> don't get a lot of amens yet today, but, but I'll, I'll blame it on the, on the coldness of the day. Okay, so, so what is that? Is that integrity of your character, that ability to be teachable, to always say, I'm going to grow. Because if, if you are in that space where you can be open and, and real, and I'm not saying, hey, go to the world and put on Facebook like every day, this is my bad, but most worst day. But there must be at least some people that you can open your heart to, that you can be real around, that can, hey, they know your weaknesses, they know who you are, and they're not going to condemn you for it. That's what church should actually be. It should be a place of stirring each other up for good works, encouraging each other despite who we are, say, hey, we're all growing together. And that's why teachability is one of those things that it's, and humility is an issue of the heart where we can say, hey, we've never arrived, and we are not going to arrive. The moment, and I think a lot of churches or movements make this massive mistake by saying, hey, we've got it all together. We have all the truth, and that's it. And now we build a denomination around that truth, or around that experience. And then we're in trouble because we lose our teachability. Realize like, well, man is going to make mistakes. God's word is perfect. But we all grow. We're all learning. We're all, you know, and, and, and you, can, you can know your teachability by whether you can be open to criticism or not. What is your reaction when somebody tells you there's something wrong in your life? How, how open are you? Do you defend yourself immediately? Do you like, <coughs> some of the married couples are, are, are laughing right now, okay? <laughs> You can, you can know that teachability because like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to box. I'm ready. I'm in the ring. This is it. We're going to, you know. But we can win the fight but lose the heart completely. And so, so are we really teachable to be able to grow? Are we really open that when God moves in that other church, let's say, hey, when God blesses your neighbor, oh, he must, he must be a smuggler. I've always known there's something wrong with this neighbor of mine. She sells dacha, you know? Realize that, you know? I've always been suspecting, you know? And then what we start to do is we start to skinner, skinder, slander, okay? We, 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 we start to feel bad about them. And that is an issue 
not to impeach a witness. Because the Bible says envy, strife, jealousy, all those things will come in. And then we break others down because then when somebody else is rejoiced or somebody else gets a breakthrough, I can rejoice with them because I realize like, wow, God, if my brother gets a breakthrough, if the church around the corner gets a breakthrough, wow, it's our breakthrough, it's the kingdom's breakthrough. Not like, why, God, why are you blessing them? And they're not really good enough because, Lord, why, why did you decide to bless them? You should actually bless us because you know how much we have prayed in this time. Do you know how much we have fasted? Do you know how much things we've brought? Lord, we've sown so much seed over the years. And then that issue comes up. Well, but if we're righteous in Christ, there's a freedom. And so the Lord is invite, inviting all of us to come to come to that place to say, sure, even for people in the church, some people God has given a measure of faith and other people a different measure of faith. And when, my, when I'm at peace with what the Lord is doing in Nicholas's life or in Lawson's life, you know, although he drives with his car and, and you know, talks on his cell phone, you know. The other day I was phoning him and he drove past me on his cell phone while I'm saying, oh, you're driving right now. I'm standing next to the road and he doesn't even see me. Oh, he almost drove over me because he was talking on his cell phone. But the Lord forgives doctors as well because he said, I'm on call. Yeah, you're on a call with me. But in any case, so <laughs> I just had to take him out publicly for that. But in any case, so, <laughs> you know, can I really rejoice when somebody else gets a blessing? And and so the Lord actually has to withhold on the church because we're not there yet, if we're really honest. If we're really open and real, because then we're gonna say, like, God, are you are you really good? And that's where the devil wants to get at. He wants you to question the goodness of God. He wants you to say, well, God, if why did I pray and that healing didn't come, but he prays and that healing came, so, so what's wrong? There must be something wrong with your goodness. And so the Lord wants to move us away from that. And it's going to take a challenge in our hearts is to start to be real with people around us. Don't be afraid of your brokenness. Don't be afraid of the fact that you don't know the answer. If somebody asks you, no, 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 that's some, sometimes, yeah, some people come and say like, because they, they think the pastor is perfect and the pastor is perfect, but not this pastor. Okay, so hallelujah. So just make a peace with that. But so they come, they think like the pastor knows all the answers. And then normally I'll say like, yeah, 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 you know, and they think like, no, just tell them you don't know the answer. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But I'll go and try and find out because there's other people that are much more intellectual or much more this. And that's not who I am, but I'll go and try and find out, you know. And then I WhatsApp John Yip, and then he sends me like 20 stuff like this and 40 stuff like that. And I think like some of the words I don't even understand, but that's great, you know. So hallelujah. <laughs> but just to say that you don't know the answer, that's a good place to start. That you're not in control, that you that you just... We're all following Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And so that brings such a freedom in our relationships, but especially in your relationship with God. Not to pretend. Never question his goodness because God is good. And the devil wants to, if we have a fake culture and a fake relationships, 
then eventually you will question his goodness because that's what the devil is at. But the Lord is good and we imperfect people following that good, perfect God. So this is the journey. And I want to encourage you to, in this week, just, hey, follow the Lord, but be real. Be open with your own brokenness and, and don't be afraid because the whole culture is going in another direction. The whole culture is just pretending and we performance orientated and we television orientated and everything is just the next show, the next experience, the next whatever. And we cannot allow that to come into the church where I go from experience where I try to define who I am by the outside and not by what God is doing in our hearts. That brings great brokenness. So I want to encourage you to go and read that Psalm 51. I want to I want to finish with that again, just slowly reading through. It says, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me, strengthen me. Lord, I'm going to make it through this by your generous spirit. Because then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. So it says, lots of people will get saved if they see that the church is real. That's what the world is looking for. They're not looking for how much doctrine we have and how great our doctrine is. They're not coming here for doctrine. They're coming here for Jesus. And lots of them will get saved when we are restored by God and we understand that, yo, there's a joy of our salvation because it's about Him. It says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Not my righteousness, your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offerings. Then they shall offer these on your altar. So there's Stellenbosch needs the righteousness of Jesus. <laughs> and the only way is when there's real people serving a real God in their brokenness realizing we're not perfect, but He is. And where we stop pretending. We stop just trying to do stuff on the outside. So will you stand with me today as we're going to... Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.